And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 174 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly and Andy, 174 hits for Angel Pagan in 2012. That was enough to get him a 32nd place in the MVP voting. Can you name for me the writer who voted him 10th on their ballot. Ooh, well, that would be probably someone who threw him a 10th place vote. And I can't think of anybody who likes to get a little hinky with that 10th place spot. I bet it was me. It was probably me. Was it me? It was you. And for the record, I actually love that philosophy of being, uh, you know, a local writer and saying, I've watched this guy all year. I think he deserves recognition. I think Every writer should do that, and it would make the results much more interesting. Uh, so I'm a fan. There were a lot of Easter eggs in this, uh, where you had Andy McCullough voting Posey second for the MVP. He was writing for the Newark Star-Ledger at the time. Andy McCullough, what are you doing, my man? <laughs> right. He wasn't unanimous. Hey, don't give people grief about keeping someone unanimous, because Mets fans will never forgive me for voting for Mike Soroka instead of Pete Alonso for Rookie of the Year. Thankfully, I spent most of that offseason in Japan, so I had limited exposure to the vitriol that was sent my way. But um, yeah, honestly, it, uh, this past year might have been the last year that I vote and that a lot of people vote because MLB is now tying actual things like service time and uh, uh, and, and financial compensation to, to where people finish in these awards. So, uh, you know, what, what had been sort of a mild conflict of interest is now a, a pretty durable one. So that's a topic for another day. But uh, but I do... I I do, I do like to, when I have MVP, which isn't every year, maybe every other year, every third year, um, I do like to throw my 10th place vote to somebody when I can. It's not always uh, works out that way, but my 10th place guy this past year was Lamont Wade Jr. And uh, that was something that uh, I was happy to do because he was like fourth or fifth in the National League in um, leverage index for a team that won 107 games. And if they had won 106, they would not have won the NL West. So, um, yeah, so I, I like doing that. And in 2012, Angel Pagan was certainly uh, very, very important to that team and was a really good player. And when he and Melky Cabrera won two on top of that lineup, they were dynamic. So uh, that was uh, the, I, I commend past uh, past me for doing that. <laughs> Oh, that is that was a fantastic season, but we're not here to talk about Pagan. We're here to talk about the 2022 Giants. And for the first time that we have talked, there isn't that sense of what are they going to do? There isn't that like hanging over our heads as we talk that they could make a, a big signing for Chris Bryan or Trevor Story. This is the roster, give or take. This is your 2022 Giants, uh, for better or for worse. 
Uh, is this about what you expected? Are you underwhelmed? Are you properly whelmed? How, how are you feeling about this roster? <laughs> well, I suppose they could announce, you know, like a five-team trade in, in which they get Jose Ramirez and Sean Manaya and like, <laughs> I don't know, Bryce Harper. Why not? Um, but uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't uh, – I always assume that there's another card up up their, their sleeve. So um, – but right now as they're currently constituted, I think that um, – you know, you made some really good points in your piece about, you know, how they're still kind of a right-handed bat short. And it's not just as simple as, well, you Buster Posey out, Chris Bryant out, who's in? You know, um, it does look like when you actually go in the mechanics of making their lineup, um, they are going to be a right-handed bat short. Uh, and it's not like you face lefties every day. But, um, yeah, it'll it'll be uh, interesting how, how they proceed because they, you know, they, they cannot perfectly mix and match in their platoony way. Yeah, I think that what the decision is going to be is roughly like this. It's going to be you either have a plus plus defensive center fielder on the roster. Uh, that is Steven Duggar, or you have an extra right handed hitter, perhaps Mauricio Dubon or, or someone that they get uh, from here till the end of spring training. I think that's the choice. It's do you want to perfectly align against uh, uh, left-handed pitching, or do you want that defensive safety valve? Uh, Duggar was a productive hitter at times last year, so he's not just defense first. But I think that that is kind of the question they're asking themselves, and I personally would take Duggar. I think he just adds so much to that outfield defense. Um, but maybe they're thinking differently. Maybe they are really uh, thinking that it's not going to be a 26-man roster at the start of the season, and maybe it's going to be like a 28-man roster for the first month, maybe even the first, I don't know, 40 five days or something like that. Maybe they know something that we don't about the size of the active roster. I mean, yeah, that's true. And on the pitching side, you know, they have some people who have options still. Camilo Doval, uh, even Tyler Rogers, um, you know, John Brebbia still has an option, Sammy Long, um, Kervin Castro. So they, they have some flexibility there with a last spot or two. On the position side, n- not a, a whole lot. Steven Duggar does have that magical fourth option, growing like a unicorn he- uh, horn out of his forehead. And um, But Mauricio Dubon's out of options. Tyro Estrada's out of options. Um, there's there's not a lot of pieces. You, you get down to the next level with a guy like Elliot Ramos. And and really, I think that the, the, the two big takeaways I, I had from, from your piece and just thinking about how the Giants are going to put this offense together, because really the offense is the concern, right? That That's what everyone's worried about. Um, yeah. is is yeah, is so. going to be the the amount of pressure that they're putting on Belt Longoria and Crawford to be really good again um, and stay healthy, uh, which you know is is a actual an actuarial um, slippery slope, <laughs> and you know you're relying on a surprise somewhere. Uh, maybe maybe they just have an evaluation of Tyro Estrada and and. Um, and, and maybe even Elliot Ramos, or uh, I think, um, you know, we, we, we haven't seen uh, Diego Rincones against Major League Pitching, but but he's a guy who uh, just just seems hitterish. He's just a guy who can just <laughs> wake up and, and come off the bench and give you a, a great uh, at-bat and, and sting the ball somewhere. So maybe they just feel that, you know, hey, what we got is better than what's out there. And um, if, if they're confident, they, I guess they should be. They won 107 games last year, but uh, that confidence is going to be tested. Yeah, when I was going through all of the options of like, well, here are the guys who aren't on the 40-man roster, and I was making my, my little bullet-pointed list, and I was thinking, okay, you got Elliot Ramos, but who's after that? And you got uh, Alex Blandino, and you, I start listening to these these names that aren't that exciting or whatever, you know, or maybe organizational filler. Uh, Wyatt Matheson, or I came from, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right. And I'm just going through all this, and then I get to Diego Rincones, I'm like, oh, 
Okay, this might be a guy. I mean, he hit in double A last year, um, but you know, that's just one step from the majors. I would assume he starts in Sacramento. And I could see that being like this May that goes off, and all of a sudden everyone is talking about Diego Rincones, Diego Rincones, when is Diego Rincones coming up? When is he gonna get added to the 40-man roster, Diego Rincones? That feels like a, a guy to me, but if that's the plan. I'm not so sure about that. That's like a thing that wouldn't surprise me, but I think that that is, uh, you know, something that could happen. Yeah, it's. I think that all of our um, notions are are really screwed up by the fact that they won 107 games last year because <laughs> we could point to a lot of things and be very critical uh, and, and be like, whoa, what are they doing? Why, how could they possibly sign Jock Peterson instead of Kyle Schwarber? Uh, you know, why didn't they get Trevor Story? Whatever. And, and, and I'm sure a lot of fans are, but uh, there is this whole thing about, Oh, yeah, they're really smart and they really know what they're doing. So, you know, they're probably off, you know, doing some brewing together, some galaxy brain stuff right now that we don't even know about. So um, they've earned that benefit of the doubt. Uh, that that being said, if, you know, they start losing um, three to one uh, and, and their pitchers keep getting Matt Caned again and again and again through the end of May, then, you know, they're going to hear about it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, that's one of those things where they could be right. They could be ahead of the game. And I will say that for as like, we've both covered teams where you look at the lineup and you can point that guy shouldn't be on a major league roster. That guy shouldn't be on a major league roster. That guy shouldn't be on a triple a roster. Like we've covered those teams. This is not that team. Every one of these players has a place. Every one of them should be on a 26 man roster somewhere. Uh, It is a deep team in a lot of respects. It's just, if you are looking to compete with the Dodgers, I think is is what you are kind of judging this team against. You're not just trying to build an 88 scrappy win team that can contend in the NL Central or something like that. You are going up against one of the greatest collection of talents in baseball history. And it feels hyperbolic to say that, but it's not. And so that's where you can be a little bit uh, underwhelmed. Yeah, I'm just checking to see what the Dodgers Cactus League lineup is today. And it's Trey Turner, Justin Turner, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, A.J. Pollock, Cody Bellinger, Chris Taylor, Edwin Rios is their left-handed hitting DH, Zach McKinstry in right field, and Walker Buehler on the mound. And that is for a spring training game. So you know not everybody is in there. Um, I, they're, they're just insanely good. They're so insanely good. And, and if you go position by position and person by person on, on who you think the starters are going to be, the Giants are going to underwhelm. And that's when I guess you have to sort of, if you want a hopeful thought, just think, you know, okay, let's not compare – you know, Brandon Belt to Freddie Freeman. Let's compare what the Giants got out of first base last year, which was like 47 home runs combined because of Lamont Wade Jr. and Darren Ruff and, and Brandon Belt all rolled together when they played that position. And that's, that's I guess, where you have to maybe have that sort of um, soothing feeling is, uh, hey, in the aggregate, these guys are really good and they're just going to have to do it again. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's fair. And I wonder, I have not uh, really ruminated on this enough to uh, advance this from a, a stray thought to a hot take, but maybe there's a consideration for uh, two things. One, that you have extra playoff uh, teams this year and that you not only have extra playoff teams, but the the reward for winning 107 games this year would be a first round buy, which doesn't necessarily excite me. I mean, not having to deal with um, uh, like a three game series excites me, but just the idea of a first round buy. I'm not so sure that that is as helpful as it could be in other sports. And then the second thing is that, well, it's not as if this is the roster for from now and set in stone. This isn't five card stud that there will be opportunities to, to figure out exactly how to help this roster in June or July. And that it's just, you know, we don't have to go all in right now. 
Yeah, that's a, it's a really good point. I mean, we, we have to see how this expanded postseason is going to affect the trade deadline. And do we even know what the trade deadline is, by the way? I'm not sure we do. Um, uh, we don't. I think it was like a Friday or something like that. I think they're doing that again. Are they? Okay. Well, um, uh, between that and not really knowing exactly what the opening day rosters are going to be, there's still a lot uh, that uh, that we don't really know about. Um, but... Um, you know, I, I think when it comes to the, the divisions, yeah, your reward of getting a first round bye means you're going to be cool in your heels while there's a bunch of three game series being played. That's not always great. You can look at lots of examples in history of teams that entered the postseason with, you know, 95 plus wins and then just got cold. Or, and that may have been a big factor in, in why they had early exits. And, you know, the Tigers one year, Tigers a couple years, actually. Um, but I mean, if you're a division winner and you have the, the worst record out of the three, then your whole season comes down to a three-game series. So that's not exactly great either. Um, I'm looking forward to when they finally get the full NBA experience in the MLB, and they're going to probably go to two divisions, um, West and East. They'll be big jumbo divisions, just like they used to be. And then you'll have two division winners that get the two buys, and you won't have a third uh, weird division winner to worry about. That's that I think is 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 on the horizon. But you know, for now, it's yeah. It, everything that the Giants do is in in the context of the NL West, and that's in the context of the Dodgers and Padres. And I will say this: um, if you're underwhelmed by what the Giants have done so far uh, this spring since the lockout ended, you could be the Padres and have Fernando Tatis Jr. out for three months. So they're having a worse spring for sure. That is a good point. So so you are a team. Two jumbo divisions in each league. Yes, I am, and, and and put the Braves back in the NL West just for for just, <laughs> just for, for kicks, <laughs> just for kicks. I think I'm team uh, four divisions with uh, two more expansion teams. I think I like uh, 32 major league teams in general, four divisions. Uh, but I I think you know back in the day when they were talking about radical realignment, I was furious because they had all these different mockups that had uh, the A's and the NL West, and and you know you had just all these weirdo divisions. And now that I'm, you know, older and more tired, I think I, I kind of like that idea of just, you know, let's not have the Mariners fly to Houston and Texas all the time. Let's let's kind of group these a little bit more geographically and see how we can work that and get four simple divisions. I don't know. I think there might be something there. You're doing it wrong. You know, as you get older, you're supposed to become more conservative and crotchety and just not want things to change at all. So you're going backwards. Oh, that's a good you're, point. You're, you're doing this That's wrong. a good point. I'm still crotchety. I'm just like, just imagine, just the crotchetiness is <laughs> off the charts, off the charts. I mean, I will say that the Giants, this lineup is perhaps a little bit underrated, like as far as uh, I don't think they have the worst lineup in the National League, which is what baseball prospectus is, is pegging them for. I think that there is more uh, to them than that. But a lot of it has to do with them staying healthy. And their confidence that they're going to stay healthy is uh, impressive. Uh, it's admirable. But can they keep Crawford, Belt, Longoria healthy? They're all in their mid-30s. I mean, you can tack Darren Ruff onto that if you want. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, they do have a lot more options to DH against um, left-handed pitching. We've gone through that exercise. That's also partly a function of they have more guys who aren't super dynamic defensively that they would be happy to put at DH who hit right-handed, whether it's Darren Ruff or, or Wilmer Flores, I guess, at the top of that list. But one other guy that this puts a lot of pressure on, I mean, a lot of pressure, is Mikey Stremski. Because if if they're light a bat in the outfield, uh, where they otherwise you know could sit Yastrzemski against some lefties, and he ends up facing some lefties, he hit a buck seventy against lefties last year with a two fifty four on base percentage and two homers in one hundred twelve 
at bats. So, I mean, not to say that that's going to, you know, be the the way that we've, you know, um, I guess clad Mike Mike Yastrzemski and uh, and branded him for all time. He was pretty good against lefties before, but it does mean that there would be some pressure on him to turn it around and be productive too. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's a really important point because it wasn't just like uh, the pundit class that said, oh, Mike Yastrzemski, he's an everyday player now. Lefties, righties, doesn't matter. The Giants believed that. You know, it was uh, Mike Yastrzemski in the lineup against left-handers when they had the opening series against the Mariners last year. Like, they believed it. They had reason to believe it. The data suggested it. Um, he passed the eyeball test there. He was miserable against left-handers. And the thing about platoon splits is that they really do vary a lot. It's hard to get a sense of what's real and what is a mirage. And so I really have no idea with Mike Yastrzemski if the earlier success was a mirage or if last year was just a blip and he'll get better. I have no idea. I would suspect the Giants have a better idea than I do, uh, but I certainly don't. Yeah, I suspect they do too. And you know what? One other thing, I, I would make one one point in your piece. Um, you mentioned that uh, Joey Bart and Kirk Caselli play the same position, so you really can't have both their bats in the lineup at the same time. But Caselli's actually played quite a bit of first base this spring, so mm. um, I, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be over there a lot. But uh, especially on maybe a, a late game after he comes in as a pinch hitter to stay in, um, you know, th- there's there are some permutations where both of them could be in. The same lineup, it just, I don't think it would happen uh, very often. But, you know, just just to back up, maybe it might be helpful. I don't know. To Since we had our last podcast, we obviously went through a frenzied 48 hours where basically you and I were probably giving ourselves carpal tunnel syndrome, refreshing Twitter because of the Trevor story rumor. Um, it kind of, it, it sort of seized up everything I thought about this team for, for about uh, uh, maybe two and a half days. I, I'd yes. imagine you felt the same way. So yes. what were you thinking that whole time? Uh, well, good question. I thought it made sense. And I wrote a column earlier last week uh, saying the Giants need to do something stupid. This is not uh, the the season, the off season to, to look at the actuary tables and be like, well, you know, if Trevor Story gets a six year deal, the year six is going to. I don't want them to worry about year six. They don't have long term albatross contracts right now. They probably aren't going to need to extend someone like a, a Ronald Acuna Jr. or anything like that right now. They have the room in the budget for a stupid contract in 2028 as of right now. And Trevor Story, I think, was an imperfect fit, but he was still pretty darn good, especially if he's willing to play second base, uh, willing to play third base. I mean, Tommy LaStella is a strong hitter, but if you can get Trevor Story at second base for 500 plate appearances or however many plate appearances you want him at second base, 
boy, that's an upgrade for 2022. And that's the season that I'm most concerned about is this one because I don't know what's going to happen down the line. And so this is a season where I know the Giants are going to have a win now mentality. I think Trevor Story would have been a pretty darn good fit. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, hey, Albert Pujols is still out there. So, you know, they could, they could go after him. But <laughs> For uh, second what, base? You know what? Yeah, for second base, exactly. <laughs> If you didn't think Tommy Lostella had a lot of range, just you wait. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, there is one guy out there who does play some infield uh, and, and, you know, he's not a great defender at all, but he had a fairly decent year against left-handed pitching last season. That's Starlin Castro. He's, he's mm-hmm. the one free agent who's still there. But, you know, if, if you sign him, then you, uh, you're, you know, you're, you're having a hard time keeping some of the guys that we've talked about who right. who don't have options like a Mauricio Dubon or, or a Tyro Estrada. And I, I don't think they're going to DFA Tyro Estrada to sign Starlin Castro. So, um, yeah, the, you know, the, the best fit was Story. I think we all kind of realized that, especially because um, it, it really enhances this team more than other teams to have a, a, a better defensive upgrade, especially on the infield. Because, you know, everyone's trying to get hitters out by swinging, you know, below the ball, uh, dominating them with fastballs up. Carlos Rodon certainly is going to try to do a lot of that uh, for the Giants. They're not going to be overly dogmatic in any one approach to get people out. But they're leaning into the seam-shifted wake, the ground balls. You know, that Logan Webb obviously is is not a guy they're trying to get to throw fastballs up and big curveballs. And and I think he showed that that it can work against even the best lineups, given what he did to the, to, to the Dodgers last year. And Alex Cobb, I wrote about him uh, in a piece that's out this morning. And, um, uh, you know, he's another guy who gets a lot of ground balls, throws splitters, throws sinkers. And, you know, they got a lot of sinker guys on this staff. Uh, Dee Sclafani, Alex Wood. There's going to be more balls in play. Uh, and in fact, last year, um, I think the Giants ended up ranking second in the National League in percentage of, of opposing plate appearances that ended with a ball in play. Um, and only the Diamondbacks, I think, were, uh, um, were higher. And that's not super instructive, Um because I think one of the reasons that that was the case is because the Giants issue so few walks at the best walk rate in the league. So a lot of their plate appearances just by are just going to be end up with a ball in play just because of that. But, you know, they're, they're going to need a, a good defense. Yeah, I think that is a strong point. Um, I, I really I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I remember looking at the defensive stats last year when you kind of aggregated all the nerd stats together. It was the Giants were strong here. They were very strong there. Wherever Mike Yastrzemski played, they were strong. And second base was the defensive wasteland. I mean, it was, to be fair to Tommy Lestella, who was hurt a lot of the year, uh, and Donovan Solano, they just were not, were not very good uh, defensively at second. And it's not like you're looking at these stats and going like, jeepers, that's not what I noticed on the field. You noticed it on the field, too. Ground balls to the right side uh, had a, a much higher percentage of going for a hit than ground balls to the left side uh, throughout the season. So that's where I was kind of like, gosh, if they can convince Trevor Story. I mean, the real pipe dream was Carlos Correa. He wanted to play shortstop. I don't begrudge the Giants for not figuring out something there because I don't think there was something to figure out there. But if Story, you know, you he went to the Red Sox, a team that has Bogarts, like I think that there was some flexibility there. And boy, that fits. Sure, you know, we'll be talking about this in July, like how it would have worked out or would not have worked out. Yeah, and he's, you know, he got a six-year deal from Boston. It's not like he is signing a pillow contract. And I think that's where the Giants 
interest would have been. So, uh, but you, you you nailed it. I think on Correa is uh, you know he wanted to play shortstop. They weren't going to sign anybody to move Brandon Crawford off that position. Um, so even though the contract structure for for Correa is probably cl- something closer to what the Giants would have definitely entertained, um, you know the fact that you know he's not going to go play second base or third base, um, whereas Story uh, you know will uh, for for the Red Sox. That's what made Story an intriguing possibility, but. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, it's the six-year deal was something that I think the Giants didn't have uh, interest in. Uh, they wanted uh, something more short-term, which is, has been their MO with pretty much everybody. So now that the dust has settled and this is the Giants lineup, it might be a little bit weaker against Southpaws. Would you, uh, you know, if you could go back in time, if you are in the Giants front office, do you pursue Chris Bryant a little bit harder? Or do you see what he got from the Rockies and just clap your hands and go, Good for you, buddy. That is not something we were ever going to contend with. You know what? If I had to go back in time, and I know that I've, I've brought this name up a couple times, but I would have signed Andrew McCutcheon. Mm. I mean, the, the guy really did well against left-handed pitching last year. Um, you know, he, he's he's on the Milwaukee Brewers. He's going to see some time at DH. Um, you know, he's... I don't know if you saw the video, but he finally got number 24. Ken Griffey Jr. was his hero, and he finally got 24. And and uh, as soon as he saw he got 24, they, they put Griffey on the phone to talk to him, which was that pretty was cool. cool. That was cool. Um, Andrew McCutcheon has to be one of the easiest Giants to root for, even though he was only a Giant for like four months. Um, so, yeah, I think that... That would have been a great fit, but um, you know, maybe maybe he'll he'll have the prospect of more plate appearances in Milwaukee than he would have in San Francisco. But in terms of a guy that can play some uh, uh, play the outfield, not particularly well, but you know, he can stick him out there and uh, and and can DH and and can really hit lefties. He did all that left last year, so um, that that's what I would do if I could go back in time. But obviously, that uh, that ship has sailed. Yeah, no, that that's a good call and. I think the easiest way to explain how likable Andrew McCutcheon is, is that the Giants traded a literal all-star and down-ballot MVP candidate in Brian Reynolds for McCutcheon. And yet, when I think of McCutcheon, I don't think of Brian Reynolds. I go, gosh, that was cool to watch him for a few months. Like, you know, he's just like, wow, that's right. He was on the Giants. Isn't that super neat? Because when I was just starting my career, Andrew McCutcheon was like the guy. He was just so electric. He was a throwback uh, as far as his size and the way he played. Um, He was just so much fun to watch. And just to watch him in a Giants uniform, even for a couple of months, was nice enough to where I'm not always like, like when I when I look at Luis Castillo or I think of Casey McGee, like it's oh gosh, Luis Castillo. But with Andrew McCutcheon, I'm not thinking about Brian Reynolds right away. It takes me like two seconds. Two seconds, <laughs> right? No, you you think about Kyle Crick. Ooh, Kyle Crick, that slider, um, and the international bonus money they had to give oh. away too. Um, but yeah, it's it was. It was fun. It was an idea. They, they, I, I give them a lot of credit for the creativity to barely sneak under the the, the CBT. That's what they had to do um, because we all know teams were using it as a salary cap, uh, and right. the Giants didn't want to be in the penalty box again. So they found a way to get Evan Longoria. They found a way to get Andrew McCutcheon, and and and, and you know it didn't work out. Obviously, they they doubled down on uh, they, they they split threes or whatever a bad move. What's a bad card to split in blackjack? Uh, I think That's, threes isn't great. Yeah. Yeah. Let's so let's just say they. Split threes didn't work out so good, but but give Evan Longoria credit. He's a guy who who was kind of a um, you know a vestige of that sort of failed strategy, 
And uh, he, he he was a pretty good player for the Giants last year. Yeah. And this is obviously the last year of his contract. Um, and it is kind of funny that the Giants are reassembling the 2014 Rays. They now have Alex Cobb off that team. <laughs> they already had Kurt Casale. They have Evan Longoria. They have Jake McGee. Um, in fact, Alex Cobb was telling me that, you know, when Kurt Casale made his major league debut, Cobb was the pitcher on the mound. And going back even further, when Cobb made his professional debut in the Appalachian League after signing out of Aviro Beach, Florida High School, um, his catcher was, in his first game as a pro, Craig, Craig Albernaz, Giants, current Giants bullpen really? catcher. So all kinds of connections go through Tampa. It's kind of nutty. Yeah, it is an interesting roster that they are built. That they are building. I will say, I mean, we don't have too much time, but th- this is kind of how the offseason has gone. We're so focused on the lineup. It seems like the pitching is an afterthought. Uh, it's a very settled bullpen, and the rotation looks very strong. So before we go, at least let's give a, a hup hup to the, to the rotation that they have built, the bullpen that they've built. I think that they will prevent runs, and I think they've made a lot of sound, logical moves this offseason. Yeah, you know, going through uh, the stats on uh, for this Alex Cobb story, um, it, it just reminded me just how elite the Giants were at home run suppression and mm. keeping the ball in the ballpark. And that to me was the whole stat of last season is not just uh, the home run differential, but the runs uh, scored versus runs allowed on home runs. It worked out to be like like 0.96 runs a game, almost a run a game difference. And, you know, (laughs) that was just a huge advantage. And, you know, obviously they're, uh, they're, they're leaning into that. And and Alex Cobb is a guy who I think there were three pitchers in the major leagues who had a better home run to fly ball rate, uh, who threw at least 90 innings. And one of them was Corbin Burns. So um, Alex Cobb definitely does that and does it well. And he fits exactly what they're looking for. And, uh, and this bullpen the same way, this bullpen is uh, um, a bullpen that, you know, isn't necessarily, going to blow you away. Um, they don't have Blake Trinan's 99 mile an hour two seamer, but you know they find a way to get outs and, and, and to get out sufficiently. And, and when they do give up homers, there, there's obviously there's not a lot of damage attached to them because they haven't walked a bunch of people in front of them. So that's that's their plan. They make no secret about it, and they're going to try to run it back. And that's you know e- even if they maybe don't have as much run support potentially as they did last year, uh, it's a pitching staff that um, I think is 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 pretty. Um, uh, sort of proof of concept uh, at this point. So, um, yeah, they, they, and they look really good this spring, too. Yeah, and it does feel a little, uh, gosh, I don't know what the word is, disingenuous, isn't it? But it feels a little silly to be, like, so concerned about a team that literally led the National League in OPS last year, literally set a franchise record for home runs, and this is the franchise of Mays and Bonds. Like, maybe we are tut-tutting a little bit too much. At the same time, I what do we do? We're professional tut-tutters. <laughs> right. You enjoy a good tut-tutting, right? Oh, of course. Yes, I do. I do. I do enjoy a tut-tut. And, um, and you know, I think if there's anything that that's to be concerned about is we know that the Giants, you know, put up those numbers by getting, you know, relentlessly getting matchups and uh, and working matchups to their advantage. And, you know, they're not going to be able to deploy their bench quite as much without a um, without a pitcher spot. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be even more incumbent that they have, you know, um, uh, guys who, that you want to see for multiple plate appearances uh, as opposed to just getting a, a bats off the bench. And and if they don't have one of those matchups because they're going to have to probably play maybe three lefty bats against a, a lefty pitcher, then yeah, I think that is cause for concern. It's not as much the personnel as the system that they can't quite employ the way that they did last year. So that that to me would be the concern and and and, and we'll see. We'll see where they are to, to start the year, but staying healthy is going to be a big premium as it is for every team every season. All right. This has been episode 174 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. 
We will be back next week and we won't be talking about moves most likely. We'll be talking about spring happenings and spring doings and spring transpiring. So we'll be back. Thank you for listening and we will see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.